and welcome to the podcast entitled You Should Have Been Here Last Week. Um, a new podcast in which myself, Steve Grimmin, and fellow comedian Paul Ricketts interview the movers and shakers of the uh, promoting world, asking them such questions as why, why did you do it, uh, who's your favourite uh, comic, uh, who's your least favourite comic, and uh, what advice would you give to all your competitors? Uh, so, and this week's guest is a well. He's a, a, a very well known in the northwest, um, ex member of the navy, um, and um, yeah, he's going great guns at the moment. It's Adam Rushton. Our guest today is Adam Rushton of uh, Rush of Laughter. I mean, uh, Rush of Laughter is booker, promoter, agency. Yes, yeah, Swiss Army knife of comedy. So, which one yeah. came first then, Adam? Um, Chicken or the egg? Well, the first one that came first was a desperate need for being loved comedian. I've been running gigs for 12, 11 years. So that came first. And then the agency's six years old. So, yeah, so it's it promoting gigs. But I did it to start with to get experience emceeing, like everyone did. And then, but I didn't do open mic nights. I did pro nights. Uh, just mm. with small budget and then kind of used it to network and then as a comic it was good because you got to know people who you shouldn't you know get a gigs with people you didn't know and then uh it just kind of built from there what what made you switch over to promote i mean was there any one particular reason that made you think oh promotion is oh. the way to go because obviously I, I was a comic i did as I, I was performing up and down the country doing all that and i got quite i got quite far in my years on the circuit um and then uh, my mum died. Heartfelt story. I lost the love and need to be on stage. And then kind of, I was going to take a step away from it. And a few people said, why don't you be an agent? Because I always remember, I remember being in green rooms and people coming over to me going, apparently I should have my number in your phone. Because I used to send, I used to help bookers out all the time and stuff. So someone said, You're, you've got this natural ability to be able to walk, walk in a room and get to know everyone instantly. And that's from being in the Navy. Uh, and I was like, I wouldn't be very good at it. And then I signed six acts in a new and then kind of really enjoyed it. And then, yeah. And I prefer this to being a comedian. Wow. <laughs> um, you yeah. still do compare your own gigs, though, don't you? Do you do the one in Ormskirk, don't you? you, you, you uh, last yeah. time I did it, you played there. Yeah, I only... I only compare my own gigs if I can't afford to pay anyone else to do it. Right. Okay. So if a budget's small, <laughs> if a budget's small, I'll I'll compare it. Um, if I can afford to put someone else in, I will. I've got no need to do it. I've got no desire to do it. Um, but I'd rather be able to put money into better acts. Are you getting a real kick out of it after doing this, with the promotion? I'm promoting I thought you meant comparing, comparing. No, no, I don't get that. <laughs> nah. I, I, I don't get that buzz anymore from being on stage. I don't get it anymore. Uh, from promoting and from being an agent, yeah, I love it. Uh, absolutely. Like, we we just got Ignacio on live at the Apollo and yeah, going, going down and being there and seeing it was amazing. You know, getting that phone call and going, uh, I'm going to cheer your day up. Ig's got it. And you're like, oh, that's it. And just, yeah, it was... <laughs> Yeah, I, I love it. And for me, it's, this ain't a job, is it? You know what I mean? I stand at the back of the room. Like, 
tomorrow night I've got Terry Alderton, Marcel Lucon, and Tony Law doing a gig yeah. for it. And you sort of sat there going, how's this a job? <laughs> Terry, Terry's one of my heroes, and I'm getting paid. I remember getting James Acaster up and there's queues of people trying to get tickets, and my mate paid 50 quid for one. And I turned around and went, you're not really going to piss you off, mate? And he went, go on. I went, I'm getting paid to watch this. <laughs> and he, he just went, he was like, you're an asshole. And I went, yeah, hey, you pick your jobs, don't you? <laughs> and, and my job as an agency is to be in bars and taking people out for drinks and meals and stuff like that. And I, I'm great at that. I'm great at drinking and I'm great at eating. So, you know what I mean? I'm quite good at it. <laughs> yeah. Special skill set, you know, eating and drinking. But it's schmoozing. Is that a large part of what you would consider to be, your, you know, your job as an agent? Yeah. I don't like the word schmoozing because schmoozing can be, you know, like, uh, give us, give us, give, uh, keep, keep up my mix. And that, that's never been, <laughs> that's never been my, it is. I'm persuaded. Yeah, I've never. That's never been my approach, and my approach has never been. Yeah, I'm not pushy. I'm not. I want this. I want that. I try and come at it from a different angle. I try and come at it from how I do everything as an agent. Is how would if I was still a comic and I had an agent, how would I want my agent to behave? Yeah, how would I want my agent to act? How would I want my agent to do this? So I kind of approach it in that aspect. Um, but yeah, my major part of the job is. Yeah, networking and talking. Yeah. I like I like that. I've got some real good friends now on TV, real good friends in that area world who I just we mm. just think up talk football and that's it. Oh. We don't talk about comic comedy, we just think <laughs> up and just chat about and then I forget at the end and go, Oh shit, yeah, can I put so and so on your programme? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh, not booking at the moment. Yeah, you know, I know <laughs> So you're in the Navy. Yes. <laughs> there by goes the song. And yeah. um and why did you come out of the Navy and decide to, to get involved in comedy? Uh, I didn't. <laughs> I, know, I came, so uh, I got myself in a bit of trouble in the Navy. Um, I had a fight. I was getting bullied. I had a fight. The lab was a lot more connected than I was. I did something stupid and hurt him and then kind of got myself in a bit of trouble. So I came out and they kind of didn't let me forget that a bit. So I kind of got jumped one night and went, do you know what, fuck this, I've had enough of this, I'm off. Uh, so put me notice in, which you have to serve a year, but you can take it out at any point you want. They offered me a promotion, they tried to keep, convince me to keep staying. And then I landed a job working on Chinook helicopters, converting them from, boring stuff, converting them from Mark, like Mark III down to Mark one. but it's all secret stuff because it was Special Forces and I had the clearance. And even my boss turned around and went, you get in with that company, you're made, you're made for life. Mm. And then the day I came out, the recession hit and it was all cancelled. So I ended up on the dole. The last day before I left the Navy, I met a girl who lived 20 minutes down the road from the base. She ended up moving to Leeds. I moved with her. Do you remember Mr. Benz, both of you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Spent yeah, many used... an, un- an unhappy hour in there. Yeah, but I used, <laughs> I used to drink in there. I knew the owner. Uh, I then moved to Manchester for a job. The owner had told me I could tell jokes because when we used to get drunk, I used to always recite Lee Mack jokes and stuff like that. And he said, you should have a go at this. And then I asked Big Lou. He got me on a comedy course in Manchester run by Ashley Baroda, who used to be an agent. Mr. Benz threw me on for a gong show. I won that. And then I won another gong show. And then I think I won a third gong show. And I thought, you know what? I might as well give this a go. 
And then I died on my ass for the next five gigs. <laughs> <laughs> Always the way. <laughs> but still had that quest to be stirred up by strangers. <laughs> it's just like, that's <laughs> my future. <laughs> yeah. my future. <laughs> so I, I fell into it purely by accident. You know, like, yeah. I've always loved comedy. Comedy's always been my biggest like passion. But yeah, just purely by accident. There can't be there can't be many people who've come that route though, you know, to to, to actually have served served in the armed forces and then come out in comedy. That's quite an interesting. I mean, and, and presumably your you, your skill with Chinooks might come in handy in the future. Well, that, ironically, because I was an aircraft engineer in the navy, so I I was fast jet. I wasn't helicopters. So, oh right. I I was fast jet. That's what you call fixed fixed wing. So um, I did all my basic training on helicopters, and when I went to fast jet, but when I was on the Art Royal, I did enough what you call second line support. So you have your squadron's front line and your second line. I did enough mm. second line support for Shinook helicopters that I knew my way. And it was basically nice. just taking boxes out and replacing them with another box. But because the boxes <laughs> were top secret, you needed military grade. Mm. I, I was I was authorised up to top secret because of the weapons system on the Harrier. So, yeah. So that's why it would have been a, it would have been an easy job. It's thirty eight pound an hour, fifteen years ago, twelve hour wow. days. Yeah. Jeez, damn. Yeah, and then I ended up <laughs> on sixty pound a month. Uh, <laughs> Welcome, chasing the, the dream, chasing yeah, yeah. the dream, chasing the dream. I remember Rachel making me up, going, "How's it going?" I was going, "Oh, I'm just so busy, mate. I've got time to talk." <laughs> <laughs> what do you wish you knew? You know now. You know what? Do you, what sort of things do you think? Oh my god! I wish you'd known when you started. Um, that venues are hard work. Yeah, yeah. I always say promoting would be easy if you didn't have to deal with venues. <laughs> well, just put them up. Well, I suppose that's that's happening so, as well, isn't it? Pop up venues and stuff like that. It, yeah. It's not time. I remember one of the first biggest gigs I ever did, and I, this is why I like I, I don't call myself a promoter or a booker. Because I get the venues to give me a budget and then I book the acts and I leave it down to the venues to sell. Because mm. yeah. the reason why I do that is because I put my own gig on in a place called the Orton Institute. And we had Pat Monaghan just after he once ITV showed me the funny. We sold out 200 tickets. It was so hard work running around trying to sell these tickets all the time. Like you had a, I had a full time job and I was working as a comic as well. And then, uh, and I was living in Manchester, it was in my hometown, so I had to come back and do all that. And then we put Neil Fitzmaurice on, that sold out, obviously, because it's Liverpool. Then you didn't advertise it to the 10,000 members that we had in this institute, didn't bother advertising it once. And then looked at us and went, oh, that's a good idea, and put their own gig on the night before mine. Oh, God. It. So after that, I was yeah. like, I, I just went, I, I'm never taking that risk again. Um, no. No, no I, that's not for me, but... And, I waited out. I think I was getting thirty p an hour for the hours I put in. Yeah, some. Yeah, but there are instances of that. Well, it does happen quite a lot, doesn't it? Uh, venues opening up just down the road from each other. It's it's not you know it's immoral, really, isn't it? <laughs> it, it it is, and it it's it isn't. It isn't, isn't it? Really, I mean, it's it, uh... <laughs> it, it, it's it's mental, isn't it? Because like me and Freddie Quinn, so you'll know Steve because you're from up around here. I've got yeah. a gig in Ormskirk. He's got a gig in Bersko, which is like literally 10 minutes away, mm. you know, a mile away down the road. But 
where we live is people from Bearscale won't go to Wormscape, people from Wormscape won't go to Bearscale, despite the fact that it's 10 minutes. Yeah. It's pretty much yeah. the same place. <laughs> so me, me and Freddie, me and Freddie have always had an understanding. I turn around to Freddie and go, I won't advertise in Bearscale. And he goes, I won't advertise in Wormscape. And you go, there you go, done. Yeah. It's yeah, a big yeah. enough market for both of us. And like I always say to people, I plug, if I ever do something like, I had a gig in Leeds, I rang up Toby Jones and said, we're going to do two a year, am I okay booking this? And Toby was like, yeah, don't care, mate, crack on. And then I always say at the end, I go, if you like comedy, there's regular clubs around there that you should mm-hmm. be supporting, like, you know, go here and go there and go that. And I think it's, gigs can survive in the same place if you work with people. The problem is we have certain bookers who we won't mention may have control. Um, <laughs> who, who, oh his mentality is just to, yeah, I mean, Scoop, you know what I mean, and it's there's no need in it. We're together. So, without going into massive details about this, I think the short story is that um, he basically muscled in on a gig that you thought you had. I mean, how do you feel about that? So we we had the gig, and then we were booking it. It was a horrendous, horrendous gig. So it's kind of a blessing in disguise. They came to my corporate book and said, right, we, we want this. And she went down. It's in a Michelin-style restaurant in middle of London. Uh, we want it in a separate room. It's, it started off with one act, so it started off as a corporate. So obviously she was like, right, well, if it's corporate and you want one act, then 1,500 minimum we're going to put anyone in. And they're like, yeah, perfect. And then the day we sent the first act down, Paul F. Taylor, Paul rang us up afterwards and went, it's in the fucking restaurant. <laughs> like, well, and he God. went, it's in the restaurant, my people are eating. Oh, so like, oh, you're joking. So then Georgie yeah. goes back to them and goes, right, you, you can't, you can't do this. My corporate book is like, you can't. Yeah, 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 don't worry, we'll sort it, we'll sort it. So we send Pete Selwood down and Pete rings us up and goes, I've done it in the restaurant. It was in the restaurant, mate, we're serving. And we're like, all right. So then the third time it happens with Vic. So then Georgie goes, right, before we put anything else in, because he came back going, can we have six more? So George went, before we put anything else in, what you're best doing, either you do it as a comedy night or you do two acts and you do it in between the servings. If you're insistent in doing it in restaurant, you do it in between the servings, you stop, you let the act do 15 minutes and you bring out your next one. No mention of fees, nothing. We went, brilliant, double the budget, let's get cracking. He told us if he wanted, we contact the acts, we then chased us for the conf- we chased them for the confirmation, and they came back going, "Hey, we've got someone who's going to do it half price, but we're going to take your format and use it." Yeah. And we were like, "Okay, right." So, yeah, in total, six grand it took out of our. Wow. Our yeah. But I wasn't bothered about that because it's a nightmare of a gig. But it's about when you like George. He's been up and down working with him, grafting and grafting with it, and then. You know what I mean? And, yeah. But also, it's it's one of those because one of the acts he approached and booked in, I rang and went, just to let you know, you were the one we were going to approach for this and you were meant to be getting 1500 for it. And they came back and went, oh, he's offered me 400 <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I said, I wouldn't. I won't. I won't do for five hundred, mate. I mean, corporates are uh, are generally a nightmare, you know. It is, but if they come back to us, this is the thing that we. If they come back to us and go, could you do it cheaper? We would have gone. We'll have a chat with you and see what we could. Yeah, 
make it work, us. I was going to say, who do you blame the most? Because uh, I would say the venue seemed to be someone that you should be pointing the finger at as well here. Uh, oh, yeah, massively, massively, yeah. Yeah. Both as bad as each other, aren't they? But, yeah. but the thing is, because we kept it in-house, there's, we put it out on our social media and our Instagram, and I kind of know who follows us on our Instagram. <laughs> so, um, you know, and you sort of go, it could have only been a few people who oh could have seen God. that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's just I'm, like no Columbo, of... I'm no Columbo, yeah. but, you know, it's... It's like Colleen versus Rebecca Vardy all over, all over again, isn't it? <laughs> like uh, the Christie. Yeah. You know, I, talking about that thing about um, things down the road, I've I've done that double between Grimsby and Hull, right, which is only across the bridge. But it's absolutely really weird that neither of them will ever go to the other place. And when I was when I was in Hull, I said, who do you hate? They went, people from Grimsby. And I went over the bridge, said, who do you hate? I said, people from Hull. It's amazing, and yet they're only about ten miles apart, aren't they? You know, geographically. Well, I always remember Tom Stage saying to me when he um, he was in Liverpool, and he went, "You guys fucking freak me out, man." And I went, "Why?" He went, (laughs) "I can go five minutes that way here, and we all speak different, and we hate everyone here. (laughs) I can go five minutes that way, and we all speak different, and everyone hates everyone from here and there." And he said, "In Canada, I have to drive three days to get that." (laughs) He said. And it's true, isn't it, Bo? Especially, like... especially the northwest. You're right. It's oh. such tiny distances. You know, you <laughs> just have to get to St. Helens. It's a different world. Yeah, yeah but Saint, where I am in Ormsgate, we speak different to Scousers and St. Helens. And then there's Wigan, the other side of us, yeah. Skem, which if you've never been to Skem, Paul, is basically a social experiment where we got Scousers and Wiganers and they put them in a town, built loads of roundabouts so they couldn't get out and then just seen what happened. And it's mental, yeah. and they also yeah, <laughs> it's just it's just nuts around there. I did a gig in Scamsdale. It was years ago, and it was really bad. And I can't remember who the promoter was, uh, but it was in a, a a nightclub. But it was basically in a disused warehouse, and it's one of the weirdest, scariest gigs I've ever done. The audience was just out of control. I was in the car with somebody, and we just it was literally at the end of the gig, start the car. Put the key in the ignition. Let's get the fuck out of here. Because they were just going. Rrr. I love I love those gigs. I love those. That's what I do miss, you know, when you turn up at a gig and all the other acts just look at you and we go, you go, one of those and everyone goes, Good luck, yep. lads. Yeah. <laughs> you see the, the compare, it's like the compare being the first one over the over the trench. Yeah, Everyone's yeah. just like that. Oh, come on. But Jungle is Nottingham was always like that, I thought. Portsmouth, uh, put John John Portsmouth. Portsmouth. Oh, oh God, that's that was just awful, lucky. <laughs> I, I, I've got a funny story about Portsmouth jugglers, though, because I, I first time I did it, I went down and I was like, "These are my people." I was based in Portsmouth. These are my people, and I had all the other acts going. This is how you need to play. It's going. Listen, listen. Don't worry about it. I'm all right. I'm all right. I walked out when the next Royal Navy and 400 people booed me. <laughs> I went, ah, shit. Every joke I did, I got booed, and then I just did 10 minutes and walked off. <laughs> like... Oh, my God. That I mean, Portsmouth was... was the one where they used to, um, it was rough as fuck, but they used to say to you, can you just do 10 minutes? Yeah, you used to go down, didn't it? Axe just... egos, you know, I wonder, but all acts would just go, yeah. 
that I will. I'll just do 10 minutes. And we're like that. Yes. And we get paid for it. I mean, it was, it was carnage most nights. Portsmouth channel was. Yeah. Somebody got stabbed there. The police turned up and the crowd wouldn't part to let the police into, um, deal with the, uh, the stabbing. It was that bad. Yeah. <laughs> who, who was it? And where did Tom <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> His last words were, well, what's your favourite knife? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, apart from, you know, people poaching your gigs, um, what gives you the most aggravation in uh, booking? <laughs> Comedians. <laughs> you can say that. Yeah. It's because it's we're all flaky bastards, aren't we? <laughs> no, it's just because... Not all of them. Ninety percent of comedians are amazing, but you get that. You, you know, we all know you get the ten percent yeah. who are just. And it's so hard now. One because I've still got a backlog of acts who I cancel gigs on. Who, yeah. if they apply, I immediately go right. Oh, I've got Ronnie because I don't run. I'm not a weekend club. I only run the odd ones. A lot of them as well. A lot of gigs I usually run when they're high paid ones. The venue wants the last say on it. So you got that thingy. Also, like like with London acts, I feel guilty dragging them up for one gig. You know, to come up and do like hundred fifty or two hundred quid, I feel guilty. Mm. So I always say to London acts, you let us know, let us know in the area. Because I remember I got I got you down to the Weymouth one, didn't I, Paul? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Drive to the back end of beyond, and I yeah. enjoyed. So that's be a really nice gig. But I remember saying, like, and I think I've said to you, Steve, if you ever up here, just let me know when you're up here, and if I can, if I can tag something on for you, I'll tag it on. Yeah. Because, because I'm well yeah, aware yeah, yeah. of the cost of living and all that going up, and being an agent as well. I'm like, it's not going to change your career. So, it's, you know, you sort of like, I don't want to drag people up. And then, so many acts now, it's so, so hard to book. There's, you've you've also got to try and keep it as diverse as possible and you've got which is rightly so yeah. as you should yeah yeah of course yeah yeah but when you live in the northwest where i'm from diversity isn't as big as it is in london and you know a lot of the diverse northern comics go to london because they're going to make the money down there and it's it's all these things you got to battle with and it's just yeah so it and then you get comics who just don't yeah some who just God bless him. You don't have I to name I'll, the but I'll mention the I'll mention the name afterwards. And you're all, you've got you're both gone. Ah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. You know what you just like. Yeah. You're like you, you applied. You applied for a ten spot the other week, and now you're applying to headline a five grand gig, and you just like make your mind up. What are you? Mm, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's just, true. Just as an agent, I've always tried to do that. If someone, if I ever go to a book and they go, "Who have you got to close?" The first thing I'll ask is, "Who's been your previous closers?" Hmm. And if they go, well, we've got like, you know, we've had Simon Brodkid, Sean Walsh and all that, then I go, well, I'm not going to put so-and-so in fact, because one, they'll ring me up and go, why the fuck am I doing this gig? <laughs> yeah, they had so-and-so last week. They're just going to stare at me. And it's just getting that right right balance as well. And also, there's clients I represent who don't do my gigs because I know they won't do well in certain rooms. And it's, yeah. it's getting that balance as well. And it's just... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a pain in my ass to be honest with you. Well, this but, leads I mean, on to a, a, a good question then. So, could you describe your typical audience for the clubs that you uh, book for? That's a good good question, Matt. Um, 
because obviously I've got I've got two different types of audience. So I've got I run a student gig, which is very studenty. Obviously, it'd be a bit weird if it wasn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then Chapel I've got is quite radio four. It's mm. quite radio four ish. Uh, and then I've got sports clubs like the cricket and the rugby clubs and all that, which is basically just for a bit more playful, playful rowdy, not disruptive, but playful yeah. rowdy. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it is, it's kind of like free demographics because Edgel, I, I'm very well aware. I know what works in Edgel and what doesn't work in Edgel. Yeah. But I also know they want profile because the money they're paying. Unless it's last minute, I can't go in and go, oh, so-and-so's amazing. Can I get them on? Because I'll just go, well, what profile have you got? And if you go, because <laughs> that that's, they've got to justify it to their bosses why they're paying. Yeah. You know the money, so it's 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 a hard one. That, but also I've been doing it that long. That like Tony Law annihilates it every time he does it. But I know I couldn't stick Tony Law in one of my rugby club gigs because no. I'll just stare at Tony, and mm. Tony's one of my favorite. <laughs> As with everyone, yeah. Tony's one of my favorite, and yeah. I know that. And it's nothing against Tony's ability at all. It's just they're not comedy savvy enough to get what Tony's doing. I love that. I love that expression, playful rowdy. That sounds like a no. genre of music, doesn't it? Well, I used to. I used to have. <laughs> I, I used to have one in um, Liverpool, Liverpool College Eight Rugby Club. And oh, I walked yeah. on one night after my birthday, hungover, and I just stood up the mic like that. And one of the rugby lads went, "Adam, are you hungover?" And I went, "Yeah." And he went, "Good." And he just annihilated me for ten minutes. Oh. Just absolutely <laughs> annihilated me. And I was just stood there and I went, have you finished? And we went, why are you bringing the first act on? And I went, yeah, we just went quiet. And I went, here's your first act. The first act went on. He didn't say a peep. Annihilated it. I walked back on him. He went, right, you twat. And just fucking went at me again. <laughs> so and that is it's, cruelty. Yeah, cruelty. But it's because I've been doing it to them for so long. We're like, oh, he's, he's knackered. He has it. And I love they that. sensed a bit of weakness. Yeah, yeah. I love and I used to love that because they they were self policing. If if you invited them in, they'll come at you and have a go yeah. playing with you. But as soon as you went to do the team, they'll go like, "Now's the time, shut up, down." And it was just great. It was so much fun. Here's a good question: How do you see the future um, of live comedy as well, but of comedy in general? You you got any predictions for how you think it's gonna gonna pan out? People aren't going to be able to make a living solely off comedy anymore. Yeah, well, that's already happening, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And my, yeah. my advice now to acts who I sign, if they've got a job, you can make it work with it. Keep that job for as long as you can. And yeah. it's it's just because, you know, the way the world is with the expenses and all that. I do think we have we have a certain group of acts who are going, oh, you, you don't need agents, you don't need these anymore, you can do it all yourself. And yeah and no, I think there's... There's ways and means, I think. People are always going to have part. You can do it yourself. You can make things, but you, an agent's not just there to book stuff. An agent's like, protect, you know, contracts protective. And that's why a lot of production companies won't deal with acts direct. They'll always say, send it for an agent because you're protected when you send it for an agent. So I do think, I think maybe the metaverse and all that stuff will start featuring more. I know we've dabbled in it and virtual reality will start creeping in i think there's so many different avenues will it go down to the route where you build up your following online and then you tour i think that's already happened to a certain extent isn't it yeah is yeah, that, is that so what's far, going to become the norm well um, the people who've done it so far perhaps haven't had the goods when they've actually gone out live um, yeah 
but someone will do it who will have the goods. Well, I'm going to thank you for, for coming on, uh, Adam, and answering all our questions. Um, yeah, thanks, Ad. That's great. And talking You're about welcome. some subjects we weren't certain you were going to talk about. And thank you for being so <laughs> honest with us. <laughs> That's the problem with me. I always say that. I go, I'm not going to say this. And then my mind just runs away with me and I start going, do you know it's a twat, right? <laughs> 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 I said, yeah. That's another podcast. That's yeah, yeah. Well, God bless yeah. you for that. That's what, I'm glad yeah. you're Thank you for having me on, gents. It's a pleasure. Uh, thank you, Adam. Yeah, cheers, man. So that was Adam Rushton. A very yeah. interesting conversation, yeah. especially about another promoter that seems to have crossed his path. Oh, yes. Promoters at dawn. Um, yeah, he was very good. I enjoyed that. So what have you got for us today, Paul, in your lexicon of comedy? What have you, what have you got? So today's word is going to be, in our lexicon, it is housekeeping promoters, which are promoters <laughs> who apparently don't perform. But what they do do is go on before an MC and do what they call the housekeeping. Yeah. And at the same time, try and perform. There are certain things, that I, uh, certain phrases they say. One is, well, I'm just coming on to do a bit of housekeeping. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not one of the proper comedians. I'll be going, oops, I've employed one of them. So I'm not the MC. Yeah. The MC, you'll be coming on. Oh, in a minute. Me. Yeah. In a minute. So I won't be funny. There'll be no jokes from me. And then, of course, they, straight away, they try a little joke. <laughs> Yeah. And also, they do that thing of, um, I did a gig once in Banbury, and that, that Zagak thing happened where before the MC came on, bloke came on, and it was a real, it was a, it was a proper local pub for local people. And he just proceeded to go, uh, uh, so, you know, and we're all going to enjoy this, aren't we, Barry? Not like last time, Barry. You know, we know what Barry's like. And, everyone's, <laughs> and then he, he, did, he worked the room. But everybody, but everybody had a little story. So he created this. It was impossible to play. It was fucking hard. It was really hard. If you get, if, if it's too in, if it's too sort of, um, you know, in jokes, it's oh. really hard to play, isn't it? Well, that's the, one of the problems that a lot of people think that's what comedy is about anyway. It's yeah, about them. They think you turn up just to talk to them about them. Maybe okay. comedians should have one of those T-shirts printed with the ultimate um, kiss-off line for, uh, you know, for someone ending a relationship. It's not you, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not you, audience, it's yeah. me. I mean, to talk at you, but not about <laughs> you. I've got to tell you one, uh, this actually happened very recently at a gig, and it was in a hotel, and the woman who ran it, very nice lady, but she said, uh, now, listen, um, I've got to say a few words at the beginning, because... Uh, I mean, the last few months, they've been fucking up, pain in the fucking arse. And he said, last last month, they were shouting at me, screaming and giving me the two fingers. So, so I'm just going to do this. I've got to lay down the law. And we're saying, well, can't you let the compere do that? You know, sort of set the house rules. She goes, no, no, no. I feel I've got to say this. And on that message, she went on. It was like being told off by the teacher. He goes, some of you think it is amusing talk while he acts on this and they all sat there like this <laughs> like she's told them up and she goes I will not have any bad language or disrespect to the acts is that clear and everyone's going <laughs> but meanwhile all the acts were in the kitchen going oh for god's sake I think she had anger issues for the way she was treated the previous month, you know, because she said, as some of you, and you know who you are, oh, no. your behaviour last time was not acceptable. 
<laughs> it will not be accepted this time. And I was, I remember saying to the person next to me, how is she going to enforce this? There's no bouncers. Mm. It's just there. And she was about five foot one. What's she going to do? Oh, God. Give him a stern yeah, talking to. I mean, give and... Because <laughs> you reminded me of a charity gig I did. And this is quite a sad story. And it was uh, for a cancer charity uh, for a teenage girl who had recently, you know, lost her battle against cancer. And before the gig, her mum came up and did this heart-rending speech where she broke into tears and then the audience broke into tears. And there was a big picture of the teenage girl on the stage behind, which she pointed to and she goes, she really loved having a laugh and she, I wish she could have been here to see this fantastic comedy evening. Then she goes, and now the first comic is going to come on stage to entertain oh, you. Oh, my God. Which was me. And it was just like, <laughs> oh, my God. What? <laughs> I'm sorry, but I can't follow that. I can't oh, suddenly go <laughs> into oh. comedy after that. She was in tears. The audience was in tears. Oh, my God. I know. It's it's also funny that, um, as I told you that one, that um, – one of the bad things about doing corporate is that, that that same thing prevails where the CEO or the boss of the company thinks they're the funniest thing since sliced bread mm. and no one can tell them no. Um, and I think it was Ben Norris told me he did a corporate once and the guy was had a microphone secreted backstage mm. as they were on. And as they were doing their acts, you just go, well, they're not very good, are they? Oh, Don't worry, God. it won't last long. And everyone had to go... <laughs> I tell you what, once at the Comedian in Brighton, the Christmas gig about five or six years ago, a group of lads um, smuggled in one of those, um, the bullhorns that police use, you know. <laughs> and then they heckled everybody, get off. <laughs> and they pressed, then they pressed the thing. I, was, I mean, admittedly, they, they only fired off a volume, but it was very funny when it happened. We don't want. We don't want to encourage, by the way, hecklers to um, use klaxons and uh, bullhorns. No, no. That's, uh, or loud hailers. Loud hailers. Yeah. <laughs> Please put the microphone down. <laughs> move, away. move away from the microphone. Move away. <laughs> Show in your hands. Nearly. Well, a, a mutual friend of ours, we, I don't know what I should mention because it is his story, but it's very funny, Tommy, a great one. You know, the up the creek, the, they can be a bit feisty. Mm. But in the old days when, when uh, Malcolm Hardy was alive, their, their, their preferred tax uh, tackle was taxi. Uh, and that's how you knew you were going down badly. But um, a friend of mine um, was on stage and he had a great, he was comparing. And then the third section, he comes out to compare the last act on, I think it was Rich Hall, last act. And it, it started going really badly. It's just, it's like they'd all had a meeting in the interval and said, right, that's enough. We don't like him anymore. And it was almost deathly silence. And a guy in the audience beckoned him over like this and then whispered into his ear, I think the taxi might be in order. <laughs> and then he just sort of went, yeah, I think you're right. So, ladies and gentlemen, Rich Hall put the mic in the stand, walked off the stage and out the front door and into a cab oh and just God. went. That is that is lethal, isn't it? I have one more <laughs> story. It's about the famous gig in um, Maidstone. So uh, it's the stage area is a weird stage area and it's next yeah. to a door that leads out to the beer garden. Uh, and people come through that door all the time, right in front of you. 
And it's also known for the fact that it's got two dogs and a cat that uh, live in the pub that also sometimes just look askance at the axe and go, what the hell are you doing here? (laughs) And one occasion, this bloke is dying and the dog walks across the front of the stage, stops and looks at him, (laughs) then walks towards the door and just waits. And all the audience are now obsessed with the dog, not with the bloke dying. And even the bloke dying is obsessed with the dog. And then suddenly the door opens from the you know the, the beer garden and the dog walks out and gets a round of applause from the audience <laughs> as the dog walks out. And then the bloke sticks his head in uh, because basically for that gig, to get the last train, you need to arrange uh, transport. So a bloke sticks his head in and goes, cab for the comedian. Oh, brilliant. Because he is oh, the cab driver <laughs> for the comedian. I mean, there's no answer to that, is there? There isn't, apart from, yeah, 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 it's yeah, yeah. me. Just want to put the mic down, walk oh, straight out funny. and got into the cab. Oh, that is brilliant. Oh, that's... <laughs> yeah, straight away you'd just have to get off, wouldn't you? Yeah. That seems a good enough place to end, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So if you would like to see uh, any more of um, You Should Have Been Here Last Week, please um, tune in. We're on all the major platforms, Spotify, um, YouTube, you name it. And uh, please like and subscribe. Yeah, ring the bell. Be our friends. Uh, yeah. Share. Uh, do all the other things you could do um, you know, to spread this far and wide. And, yeah, we'll see you on the next one. Yeah. You should have been here last week. This show is part of Podomity, the podcast comedy network. We're the best kept secret on Acast. Why not laugh at what else we've got? Check out podomity.com now.